0: My beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord, my goodness, as we were processing and going around and the people driving by in their cars, I thought, what a difference in last time we did that. Last time we were verbally assaulted on one point, but this time I thought to myself, I bet we could go downtown Seattle with what's happening in the European theater and not get any ridicule. Maybe get a quiet bow to the head as they pray for peace in the world. This is the Sunday of Orthodoxy, or the Sunday of the triumph of the faith. The Sunday in which we are celebrating the fact that it is, the Council of the Fathers said that it's okay and proper and just to venerate the holy icon and that they should be part of our liturgical services, which they are. We are required to have one of our Lord and one of our Lady as for each divine liturgy. But before it was called this, the Sunday of Orthodoxy, it had had an older theme to it, which is still there, but the Sunday of uh, the triumph of the faith, and the celebration that the uh, iconoclasm was destroyed. Before that, it was called the Sunday of the Prophets, The Sunday of the prophets pointing to the one, to the incarnate one. And so at Vespers last night, we heard from Moses about Moses telling the people just about before they were going to go into the promised land that there's going to be another one that will rise, that God will bring about to lead the people. And of course, he was referring to the incarnate one. And then of course, again, we hear it at the epistle readings and all of the prophets that have gone before us and what they endured to promote the justice that God had demanded of the people of following the law and pointing to the one who is to come. And it is also the reason why we have the gospel reading today because it refers to the one who the prophet, the fulfillment of the prophets. Peter, or Philip, finds Nathanael. It says, we have found the one spoken of by Moses and the prophets. And so we celebrate this great feast on both sides, the prophets and the icons, because it's the fact that our Lord became incarnate that the council said that we can write what God looks like in the flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. And so we have our beautiful iconography we have today here and throughout the world. But what I want to look at for just a minute is what takes place in our gospel today. The gospels, and indeed the whole of scripture, is one of invitation. One of invitation. We see it really profound, speaking of Moses, when he fleed from Egypt and one day found himself near the foot of Mount Sinai and saw that bush that was burning strangely but not consuming the bush. And as he drew closer from the bush, the words spoke to him, Moses, Moses. Those are words of invitation. Yes, he spoke his name, but it's an invitation. When I see somebody and I call out their name, most of the time, the majority of the time, it's because I want to have an interaction with them. I want to draw closer to them and maybe communicate something, but the idea is, come. I say to my son, Eric, And He knows, I want Him, so we both go and have a connection. So God says to Moses, 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 that's an invitation, come, come. And He comes, but we see that He is only allowed to go so far, because as He approaches closer, what happens? God says, don't come any farther. This is holy ground, take off your shoes. That's as close as you can get to me. Later on, in our Gospels, we see that one that was spoken, speaking the words from the bush, enfleshed. And in our pericope just before our, our, the Gospel today, we hear that Jesus is out amongst the people, calling Peter and Andrew, come. Follow me. Come. Philip carries this as well. He had already encountered Jesus earlier and he goes to Nathanael. Come see the one spoken of by Moses and the prophets. Nathanael says, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And he says, Come and see for yourself. Come. Come closer. And the interaction that Jesus has with Nathanael when he sees him is a means by drawing him even closer. When he says, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, Moses would have a little deeper encounter on Mount Sinai. He would go up into the, into the Shekinah in the clouds, and he would ask to see God. He said, "I can't God says you can't, I can't you can't see me or you'll die, but I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and let you walk behind or see my back, the fading glory, if you will. But that's all he could see, no face. He couldn't come any closer. The apostles were able to come a little closer. They were able to see the face of God in Jesus Christ. In fact, They were able to touch Him, be touched by Him. But then they could go no farther until Pentecost. And that with the descending of the Holy Spirit and Christ making Himself present fully in the sacraments, especially in the body and blood of our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, then we go all the way not just to him physically, but we pass the physical barrier now because we take him into ourselves, and he becomes one with us or more properly, we become one with him. There was a young man years ago and he wanted to be received in the church. A wonderful young man, bright. And it is our tradition, custom here, that during the reception of the Holy Mysteries, as we come near, for those who aren't fully initiated, they're invited to come close, not all the way, but come close and receive a blessing. So they can't take our Lord within themselves, but at least they can feel His touch, because I like to bless them and at least touch the top of their head. At least they get a touch of Christ. Well, one Sunday, He was coming up as usual. And you know how it is when they, you come up, oftentimes they're, they're six feet away. You know, my arms aren't six feet. And so I say, come a little closer, and you get this. And so I have to ask again, because I, I, I'm remembering this as, he, as I, he related to me. Come a little closer. Come a little closer. And then I was able to bless his head. But his experience was different than mine. Mine was practical. I want to get you so I can bless you. His was different. In that moment that I was inviting, saying, come closer, he saw it as Christ drawing him closer to the chalice. Come closer. Come closer. Come closer. I want to enter you. I want you to be immersed in me. Come a little closer. This gospel of invitation is continually being extended to all of us. And right now, this minute, Christ is saying to you and to I, come, come closer, come follow me, come and see. And we are called to make those little steps forward. But as we come closer, as we have that deeper encounter with Christ, and as we bring Him into ourselves, then He immerses us into Himself. And we have what Moses could never have dreamed of, and what the apostles could never think of before Pentecost. We have that communion with God that mankind was created for. But it requires us to come a little closer. The great fast is a season to allow us time to come a little closer. Make another step. Put away the barrier that's blocking you from moving forward. Come a little closer. Taste and see. The God who created us wants to be one with us and not separated. So let us heed His invitation. Let us come and receive. Let us approach with fear of God and with faith. And when we do, as did Peter and Andrew, Nathaniel and Philip, we heard in the gospel today, and the others. As we draw closer, we will hear the Lord saying to us, You will see even greater things than this. I solemnly tell each and every one of you, You will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Just come a little closer. Have a wonderful day. May it be filled with the light and love of Christ. We have everything to hope for and nothing to fear. We pray for peace in the world. We pray for conversion of souls. We pray, we pray, we pray. If God calls you to a specific task, He will call you and you will do that specific task. But if He doesn't, you're called to pray. And you're called not to underestimate the value of prayer. Because if you pray and then worry about everything, then you don't trust God and you don't trust prayer. And then you ask, you have to ask yourselves, what am I doing here? I don't believe it works anyway. But the truth is it does. Prayer is powerful. And so we pray. And we pray even when we don't feel like praying. We pray. But this does make a change in the world. And it starts with us. The change starts with each and every one of us. As I said last week, the problem is not a political problem. The problem is a problem of sin. And we're all a part of that. We all have a hand to play. Not just governments, but individuals. Just our own sinfulness. So let's ask for forgiveness. Let's repent, That's the, this is the season four, and put our hope in the Lord and love one another as Christ has loved us. We do that, we're going to be okay no matter what happens. We're going to be okay. So stay in the boat, keep saying your prayers, and share the hope of Christ with others because there's so many that have no hope at all.